Welcome to Base Liberty, your source for politics. The government is way too big, way too intrusive, we are overtaxed. History. The right to self-defense is a natural, God-given right. The founders clearly understood this. Economics. We can't just keep printing off money, we can't just keep borrowing money. If you think this path is sustainable, then I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. And more. From a liberty perspective. I've got to disagree with you there. The income tax is clearly immoral because it assumes you don't own the fruit of your labor, the government. With your host, Darren Wisely. Deregulation and decentralization are the answers if we're ever going to get this thing back on track. We need to look to families, churches, and charities, not the state. What's going on? Welcome to Base Liberty, episode 23. Darren Wisely here. As always, happy to be with you. Today is Monday. October 12, 2020. Make sure, if you haven't yet, to subscribe wherever you get this podcast. Leave us a review. Share it with your friends so we get the word out. And thanks to your support, we're now in eight countries. Got listeners in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Ireland, Morocco, Germany, Singapore, and the Philippines. So you never know, one share can go a long way. Make sure to check out choosewisely.org if you want to find... Everything we're doing, um, you can find the links to my Twitter there, my YouTube, my Facebook. You want to throw a few loose change in there to help uh, help keep us going, that'd be greatly appreciated. And I hope you guys enjoyed COVID week last week. Um, thankfully, we're going to be moving on this week. Now, if there's something that really needs to be discussed, I'll go back to it. But I'm just really sick of the COVID hysteria. It needs to be done. It needs to be discussed. Um Otherwise, the Karens will just run roughshod all over our lives. Uh, but I just think there's a lot more interesting things to talk about. Although today's episode might might not be too too much better. We're going to talk about the vice president debate. And I suffered through that, so you didn't have to. Now, I'm sure a lot of you did suffer through at least part of it. I mean, the thing is just boring. It felt like Joe Biden there needing a shot in the arm to stay awake. And that's what you get when you have establishment candidates. Uh, they just drone on. Very boring. I tuned out for part of it, so I'm just going to go off based on what I did focus on here in the debate. Now, you had Kamala Harris. She was insufferable. She just has the most annoying voice ever. She was extremely off-putting. When she didn't have an answer or she felt uncomfortable, she started giggling or giving this snarky laugh. Um, and she always had just the worst facial expressions. It's like she didn't know that there was a split screen up there. I mean, it just made her look like uh, like a petulant child. But, of course, that's what her base is, a bunch of petulant children. So maybe that was a strategic move by her. I don't know. But she just was extremely unlikable as she – I mean, that's who she is. That's how she was in the Democratic primaries. That's who she's been um, ever since she's had the spotlight in public life thing about her she didn't answer a single question Uh, she's just very entitled she thinks because she's a woman of color that uh, she should be handed the vice presidency and I thought she should have been handed the presidential nomination from the Democratic Party but that's the problem with identity politics you have these just horrendous people who are unlikable bring nothing to the table but they think they're owed something and I've had people say well Kamala she's a radical I don't necessarily agree with that analysis of her. Now, she's much farther left than my liking. Um, She's definitely 
fairly far left, but I wouldn't put her out there quite with the Bernie Sanders, even Elizabeth Warren crowd, because Kamala Harris is an opportunist. She will go whichever way the wind's blowing to try to advance her political career. I don't see her as an ideologue at all. Uh, a great example, think about the primary with the Democratic Party. She stood up there, called Biden a racist, uh, insinuated that he had engaged in sexual harassment. And then what does she do? She turns around and becomes his running mate. And she's even been called out on this. And she says, well, <laughs> that's just a debate. Like, oh, it's okay. It's okay to tell blatant lies. I mean, it, it's just politics. I mean... I mean, these are the sociopathic people we have in modern politics, and it, these are the these are the scariest type of people to have in office because they don't have any convictions, they don't have any sense of morality. Um, you know, I'd rather someone who I disagree with their worldview or I don't see eye to eye with, but at least has some some semblance of conviction rather than a complete sociopath who's just going to do whatever it takes to advance a personal agenda. And that's exactly what Kamala Harris is, and that's what you know, at least 90% of our modern politicians are. And some more examples of this, you know, she's joked about locking people up for small drug offenses when she herself smoked marijuana. You know, that's, haha, that's funny to her. And of course, she has the nickname Heels Up Harris. She slept her way to the top. I mean, this is a documented fact. And you can go back to episode two where I talk about some of this stuff. So she's literally, when I say she'll do whatever it takes to get to the top, I mean, literally whatever it takes and she she's just an awful politician on top of that some people while they might be terrible people are good politicians you know bill clinton comes to mind but she's awful she's not likable tulsi gabbard owned her in the democratic primary pretty much ended any hope she had of getting that nomination and she had to end the campaign before her own state even voted because she knew it, she wasn't going to win, and she was just going to get totally embarrassed. That's how bad her campaign was. I mean, only in a place like California would Kamala Harris be their elected senator. You just have to have some real stupid people to elect someone like Kamala Harris. I mean, she up on the debate stage, she explained what in debt means. I mean, that's how dumb her constituents are. In debt means you owe someone money. Oh, thanks, Kamala. Thank, thank you so much for that. Obviously, she's used to speaking peop to people with room temperature IQs. Laughed when she talked about being on the intelligence committee. I mean, her on any, her in anything with the word intelligence is quite the oxymoron. Contrast with Mike Pence, he's in a real peculiar position because he is an establishment candidate, but he has supported President Trump. He's known his role as vice president, and, and he's been pro-Trump the whole way, and that showed in the debate last night. Now, he defended the Republican platform and Trump's policies much better than Trump did against Joe Biden. And Mike Pence, he is a professional politician. Um, he has those kind of canned one-liner speeches, but he's really good at it. I will say that. I mean, the whole professional politician isn't my thing. It's not something that really appeals to me, but I will say he's good at it. He's a good speaker. He speaks clearly. He has the facts at his fingertips. Um, really one of the best at being a politician. I'm not saying that as a compliment or derogatory. I'm just saying at being a politician, he's one of the best I've seen in my lifetime. Because there's been a lot of people who are establishment. You know, you think about the Bushes, the Romneys, the Rubios. 
I mean, Mike Pence is much better on stage. I mean, debates are really his thing. He's very good at it. He And, you know, being a professional politician, he answered the questions he wanted to. He didn't answer some, of course, which was annoying. And what really got annoying with him was when he took so long to answer. You know, he has to give this preamble and a two-minute answer where he's taking a minute and a half to say, well, thanks for, thanks for asking me this. I'm going to talk about this. And maybe if there's time, I'll get to your question. I mean, that's something you're just going to have. Um, but he is very poised. And, and again, this goes to his skill as a politician because Harris was, again, just so unlikable, so off-putting. I mean, whatever she threw at Pence, he, he could not get rattled. And his, his good command of facts, his, his temperament, um, really made him easy to contrast with Kamala Harris. I mean, if Trump had Pence's, a quarter of Pence's facts at his fingertips, Trump could have blown through Biden in the debate against him one of the first things they discussed was this mask mandate and pence really was was good here you know kamala harris talked about how they you know her and biden would have been so much better and they'll do better with this covid situation and pence made this point about plagiarism it says hmm maybe everything you're doing is basically just copying what president trump and i've done and he, he talked about that plagiarism point about Joe Biden, which was, you know, a subtle little jab, but he really fit that in perfect. I really enjoyed that. That was that was real good on Mike Pence. One of his best lines of the night, for sure. But it also brings a good point. I mean, what would Biden and Harris have done differently than Trump-Pence? I mean, besides trample on the Constitution. I mean, the fact of the matter is, there's really only so much a government can do. I mean, government can't even get the mail on time. They can't do the most basic tasks. You can't fight a virus. I mean, it's a virus. You can't make a law, oh, we're making this virus illegal. You know, there's only so much government can do. And anything more would totally uh, trample on the rights of Americans. And, of course, the states are supposed to handle these things anyways. So it really makes you think. I'm sure if Biden and Harris were... were we're in power right now. I mean, who, who knows what they might be doing? You know, they might not let us leave our houses. So that's something to think about. On court packing, uh, Harris was called out. She had no answer for it. Of course, she couldn't answer truthfully. It's pretty clear they want to pack the courts. Now, I've talked about this. It, it's not unconstitutional. They can do that. But if she said she wouldn't pack the courts, that would have hurt her with the left. Of course, their base wants them to pack the court because just like FDR... Um, when they don't get their way, then they're going to <laughs> find a way to get their way, which means if they have to get as many justices as possible on there to get their policy agendas in place, they'll do that. But she wouldn't answer this question. On that topic, you know, of course, Kamala Harris had to invoke St. Lincoln, you know, the wonderful Abraham Lincoln. And of course, Kamala Harris doesn't know anything about American history. I mean, she doesn't know much about anything at all. <laughs> um other than being a ladder climber. She said that Lincoln, um, 27 days before the election, the Republicans were in control, and he just knew that he should let the American people decide who would be the next Supreme Court justice, and that's why Lincoln didn't do it. Well, well that's not true at all. So I will set this record straight historically. So it's true. Uh, just before the election, Republicans were in control. Lincoln's president... And Roger Taney died. He'd been the chief justice for like three decades. Now, Lincoln knew 
that he was probably going to win this election. I mean, there it's it's not like, you know, this year where it's real close. There was a very strong likelihood that he was going to win. So he wasn't really too worried about someone else having that appointment. So what Lincoln was doing was taking his time deciding who he would appoint. And he used this as a strategic political move, not some goodwill of his heart or what whatever stupid thing Harris is trying to claim. He did this because Sam and Chase, who at one point in time had been a political rival of his, uh, he basic what he he used this, he ended up appointing Chase and Chase in return had stumped for Lincoln to hold their coalition together because the Republicans had moderates like Lincoln and then they had radical Republicans during this time. So to keep their coalition together, make sure the Republicans held power, make sure Lincoln got reelected, um, he needed to work with the different factions within the party. So basically Chase, who had opposed Lincoln uh, in the previous elections, worked with him to help get Lincoln reelected. He was reelected. Chase gets appointed to the Supreme Court. So, but again, I mean, this, this, Harris doesn't know, but does she even really care about the facts? I mean, let's be real. So on foreign policy, and again, this was where Kamala Harris really showed she knows absolutely nothing about foreign policy. And it's sad because foreign policy is one of the areas the executive actually has constitutional authority. I mean, this is important stuff. I mean, all this other stupid tinkering and meddling around, I mean, the president's not supposed to do that anyways. The fact that she doesn't know anything about foreign policy is just so telling of how these people just don't even care about really what the constitutional role of the position is. You know, she says, oh, we'll just ask Joe about it. You know, Joe told me we're just all friends and we sit, you know, she made it sound like it was book club or coffee hour or something, you know. Well, you know, you're just, you're nice to your friends. You keep your enemies in check. I mean, it was ridiculous. And she kind of made some comments making it sound uh, like, Trump-Pence administration was too non-interventionist or isolationist, uh, which is real telling that she'd be much more hawkish than them. And I'm sure, you know, if Biden and Harris were, were in office, or if they get into office, we'll, at, we'll be in more wars. Um, we definitely won't be downscaling our presence around the world, because that's what these people do. And, you know, I don't think Pence is as on board with Trump's foreign policy agenda, but he's definitely been supportive of it and been much better uh, than what, what Biden and Harris would be. Of course, uh, Biden voted to go into Iraq. Now, Biden has actually gotten one foreign policy thing right, and he's been criticized on this by the neocons, but he talked about dividing Iraq into three regions. He's actually had a good point there. Uh, that's the one thing in his, you know, 40-whatever uh, years of being an awful politician is that because you have these three different factions, you could divide it up and let them each live in peace. But I don't think those are going to be the talking points of their campaign. So Kamala Harris, she doesn't know anything about foreign policy. Um, of course, she like she's going to like war because it means more power, more executive power. I mean, she clearly has an authoritarian impulse. Um, you know, what, whatever she's got to do to get her way, she's going to do. And that's, that's how she's lived her life. And she also, one other thing she did that kind of irked me was when she made this little speech about, you know, uh, 
this is so historic that I'm here and, you know, her little life story or, or whatever. You know, I don't remember the exact words. And I didn't feel like looking it back up. It just shows how detached we are from the founding traditions of the Republic. I mean, George Washington didn't even want to be president. He got drug into it. You know, he, he finished the war. We won. He wanted to go. He wanted to go back home to Mount Vernon and never leave again. I mean, that's what the 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 early republic was. It was statesmen who had better things to do, who had other accomplishments in their lives besides being politicians. And it was something they begrudgingly did and they saw as a duty. It wasn't this, look at me, I'm the president, I'm a senator. But we've totally lost that. I mean, America, we, we treat these people like a royalty, but didn't we break away from the crown because we were sick of royalty? But that, I mean, that's what we've elevated. We don't call them princes, kings, queens, dukes, but that's how we treat them. Like these celebrities, and, and really most of them, I mean... Trump's different, but most of them really have no accomplishments outside of politics. I mean, we wouldn't know who Barack Obama was if he didn't become president or Michelle Obama. He might be a moderately successful lawyer somewhere. I mean, not saying he wouldn't have a good life, but he wouldn't be a household name. He wouldn't be nearly a billionaire. Same with the Bushes. Same with the Clintons. The early republic, these people actually did things. So that's something to chew on. But getting back to the debate, my takeaways, I'm sure the media is going to say Harris won. Um, they're clearly biased. And I, and I forgot to point this out. I thought the moderator wasn't bad either. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I can't remember her name, which is good because that means she didn't stand out. You know, unlike Chris Wallace, of course, it'd be harder to do a worse job than Chris Wallace. But unlike him, she didn't make the debate all about her. So kudos to her. You know, was it maybe slightly tilted toward Harris? Maybe I... She might have got a couple more minutes of time, but it was so much better than um, Chris Wallace is just, <laughs> I mean, that guy's a goon. Pence clearly wins that debate. I mean, I don't think any, by any objective metric, you can say Harris won. Um, now, were people persuaded by it? I don't know. I mean, we're so close. Most people probably have their mind made up. Pence didn't really land any knockout punches, I would say. I wouldn't say he I would say he missed some opportunities where he could have been a little better. But he was just solid throughout. He was good throughout. Uh Harris, she was cringeworthy, she was off-putting, as I've as I've said. I'd say Pence's one thing he could have really improved on was on this climate change question. He didn't really have an answer, and the problem that I'm seeing with the Republican Party is instead of just rejecting the premise outright and saying, look, going by these Green New Deal or whatever left-wing agenda is out there, we're going to destroy our country, we're going to cripple our economy, and we're not going to make a difference. So even if climate change is man-made, we can accept your premise for sake of the argument. But even if we did something, we wouldn't actually change anything and we'd just destroy ourselves. But it seems like the Republican Republicans have kind of shied away from outright denouncing the premise of these questions because, you know, they don't want to get labeled as science deniers. And I understand that, but it's not denying the science. It's actually, that's what the science says. So that could have been an area he did a little better. But, you know, Pence really helped the Trump campaign, did a service to it uh, at the debate. He came off, you know, Trump may have turned some people away by seeming very angry, very combative very 
very much a wild card, whereas Pence seemed very reasonable, again, having a, having a good temperament, being very poised. So it kind of balanced it out. Whereas Harris seemed... And, and we know if, if Biden wins, who's going to be running the show? I mean, it might not be Harris either. It might just be some, some deep state Democrats. But Harris is probably going to be doing more than Biden. And she's very unlikable, very unhinged. She's not knowledgeable. She doesn't really bring anything to the table other than being able to play the race and woman cards. So I think Pence wins. I think he helps their their the Trump campaign um, because Trump just really did poor in the debate with Biden. And there's been discussion of a second debate. And Trump said if they they were talking about doing it, I don't know if it was on Zoom or whatever, but but uh, not in person. Trump said he won't do it if that's the case. And, you know, I'm with him there. I mean, an online debate or whatever is just stupid. Um, we all know there's lag. If you've, if you've done a Zoom or anything like that, it's going to be very hard to follow. It's going to be very boring. It's going to be very uninteresting. It's going to take away the effect. But Trump really needs this debate. I mean, he really needs to come out and redeem himself after that last performance because um, if he does what he did to Clinton... Hillary Clinton in 2016, he could really put on a good show. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see if he's bluffing because he needs that debate more than Biden does. But um, I don't think he'll be able to have his effectiveness uh, through an online version. So we'll see. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be what makes money. And having a debate, I'm sure if the numbers are there, the people that want to tune in, someone's going to put it on because that's how the market works. But, uh, hey, hope you enjoyed that, uh, and hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you soon.